good? I mean, the George Bulldogs won yesterday. We should be fired about that, ladies. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> ah, all right, here we go. Um, guys, I just want to tell you this morning, I'm just uh, I'm really happy to be here each week that we get to come in here and talk about Jesus to worship, man. Like, so many times in my life I've gone to church and it's just been like, blah, because I was made to go to church or I was raised in this religious mindset of church and all that. But I just feel like God is moving his church, the big C, the church that is after his heart, it is, it is raising them up. And I think he's doing something really special. And I really see, I really sense the move of the Holy Spirit in this family and across all of our campuses and in other churches, other pastors that I've talked to. I just see God doing a lot of cool things. And I want to tell you, now is the time to jump on board with what he's doing. Like, get involved in what he's doing because I promise you, if you're breathing in here today and you're living in here today, you have purpose and he has a plan for you, you were not created to do nothing. You were not created to be uh, just to waste space. You were not created to just to have a nice retirement when you get older and then die peacefully alone. That's not what you were created for. You were created to expend your life to see the glory of God revealed throughout the nations. That's what you were created for. You know, that's what you were created for. That's what you were created as an object of worship. And that's what we're talking about. Last week, we introduced 1 Corinthians to, um, to our church here. And we in 1 Corinthians, basically what we're doing is we're going through our, our 412 reading plan. And this is it right here, in case you guys don't know what it is. It's a reading plan that our church is going through as a, as, a, as a church. All five campuses are going through it together. We're reading straight through the New Testament up until the end of the year. And if you're around on Christmas Eve, come hear about Revelation. How about that? So... Um, and so that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing in our church as, a, as, as five campuses all over South Georgia. The same church going after the same scripture every week. And we're seeing God move in incredible ways. And so if you've been doing it, you've, known, you've, you've been blessed. And so it's cool to watch. And so um, last week we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where, where Paul was, was talking to the Corinthians. He had gone there and planted a church. He stayed for two, or two and a half years or so. And, and he was there and, and, and he, he got report after he left. He got report that the church wasn't doing right. They were, they were using their freedom to, they were using, I'm a Christian, so I can do whatever I want. They were using their freedom to go have wild parties. They were going to these, the temples, uh, the temples of these Greek and, and Roman gods and having sex with prostitutes and doing these weird things that Christians were not called to do, right? And so he was, they were using their freedom to get what they wanted. And like, that is not what we're called to do as believers in Christ. And what we know today is that, um, you know, these, this group of people, as we keep reading throughout 1 Corinthians, they, they, were, they were a selfish church. They were about their own rights and desires. I have the right to do this. I'm, I'm a Christian. I've been saved by grace. Hallelujah. Jesus has saved me. I, I'm, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not bound by sin. Sin no longer has power over me. Thank you, Lord. But... The mission of God was not central to their heart. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you want to turn there. But we saw in chapter 3, Paul was writing them about, he was saying, you're spiritual babies. Yeah, you're saved. Congratulations, you're saved. But after that, what? He says, I, 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 wanted, to, I wanted to come give you deep truths of the scriptures, but you couldn't, you weren't ready for is what he said. He was saying that, yeah, I wanted to bring you solid food. I wanted to bring you the steak and taters, but guess what? All you wanted was the milk. So guess what? I'm going to give you some milk. I'm going to just give you the basic principles. That you, that's all that you can handle. And they weren't following Jesus, but they were using their freedoms to sin. They were, they were more concerned about their rights as a Christian that they forgot the main point of their faith was to bring God glory by spreading the love of Christ to all people and to all nations. Do we know that this morning? That's what it's about? 
So the overarching question for us this morning as a church, the church in Pooler, the Connection Church uh, in Pooler, the Connection Church all across the place, the Big C Church are in this area, the Church of Savannah, the Church of Pooler. Well, how would God write? How would he write a letter to us right now? What would he say? Y'all are doing great. Or would he say, you still need spiritual milk? Where would, he, where would we line up? So the overarching question I want you to hear today for, for the Corinthians and for us is why are you sitting in these black plastic chairs today? Why are you sitting here? Why, why are you in church this morning? Is it something that you've just been raised to do and, and it, you, it's just what you do on Sunday? Is it your wife or your husband dragged you here and it's like, it's time to go to church, let's go to church. I told her I'd go, so I went, or I told him I'd go, so I'd go. Like, is that why, what, what's the point? Are you seeing the bigger picture here? What are you, where's your heart this morning? Is your heart hard? Is it soft? Is it hard? Is it, is it behind a wall? Is it chained to some sin that you need to release? Where is it at? What are you doing with what you say you believe? Because if you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, I believe everything that's in Scripture, but your life don't add up to that, guess what? Your words mean nothing, but your actions mean everything, right? And so that's what you have to see this morning, because if you're a follower of Jesus, the question is, is there evidence of the Holy Spirit working and moving in you and through you? And if there's not, then why? Because there's only two options and the first one's really scary, and the second one's a little bit scary, but it's, it's, it's manageable, okay? And so this morning, as we're reading this, I want you to hear the heart of Paul talking to the first Corinthians, or the first Corinthians, there's only one Corinthians, talking, talking to the, the Corinthian church. I want you to hear the heart of Paul, what he wants, what his heart is for them. And so let me pray for us, and then we're gonna jump in. Father God, we love you. We thank you for who you are, all that you've done. I pray, Father, that you'd meet us here. You'd be with us, Father. You'd show us what you want from us this morning, God. We just love you. Soften our hearts, God. Take away the chains. Take away the, the, the misconceptions about who you are and about what the church is. God, I love you. I thank you for everything that you're doing. And never pray. Amen. Okay, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23 together, and then we're going to jump in. Okay, this, my, my title for this section, I know you probably have one in your Bible, but this can be, can, this can be like shown as the heart of a true disciple. This is what a heart of a true disciple should look like. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, this should be your heart for people. This is said, this is Paul. Though I'm free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible. So he's answering the call of, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I can do what I want. I can go sin. I can go do this. Sure, you, you may be free to do those things that you want to do, but still sin. You may be free to live how you want to live. But listen, it's not beneficial. He says, though I'm free... And I belong to no one. I made myself a slave to everyone so that I might save some. To the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law to those under, uh, so that to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win the, those not having the law. And to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people by all means that some might be saved. All things to all people. What does that mean? That means he's taking out all the stops to make sure people hear the message of the gospel. And so just by a show of hands, who likes living in the United States of America? 
All right, there's some of y'all didn't raise your hand. In my opinion, listen, in my opinion, it's the greatest country in the world. We have this thing in our country, country where, where we can do whatever we want. I can do what I want. I can say whatever I want to about the president or about this elected official. I can go here and do this. I can go on this vacation. I can move to another state if I want to. I can move out of the country. I can do whatever I want to. You know, we think but that we have you know, this freedom, but we think freedom is, is really about removing any kind of obstacle in our lives where we live in a way that we're not committed to anything, right? That's what we think freedom is. I don't have to do anything. It's a free country. Who's ever heard that? A lot of us, right? You know, we think being free means never putting ourselves under anything's rule. Nothing has rule over me. I've, I'm free, Right? But Paul refutes that as a Christian and says, even though I'm allowed to do whatever I want, even though I'm a Roman citizen and a Jew, which means he can go across the whole entire Roman world and be whoever he wants to be, and he's also a Jew, which means he knew the law, which means he had the best of both worlds. He says, although I'm free to do all this stuff, I make myself a slave to everyone so that I might be a servant to everyone so that I might save some. That's a different level of a believer right there, right? I have all this freedom, but I'm going to make myself a slave to those people in order that I might be a servant and being a servant wins some. And that's why throughout the New Testament, you hear Paul write in Scripture like Acts 20. He says, in verse 24, he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Or you can look in Galatians 2, verse 20. I have cruci- I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is, a, that is a freed man putting himself back into bondage for other people. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. He's living his life for other people. And listen, hear me today. Real freedom is not the absent absence of any commitments. That's not what real freedom is. Real freedom is not the absence of any commitments in your life. Real freedom is not the removal of commitments from your life, but it's actually found in being under the right commitments. Do you hear that? But real freedom is found in being under the right commitments. For instance, who has a pet fish in here? I've got two people. All right. All right. Listen. All right. Imagine that fish. I'm not sure what their names are. Let's just call him Nemo for today, okay? Imagine that fish, your pet fish named Nemo, okay? He's in a bowl, and, he, and, he, and the fish starts thinking to himself, you know what? I'm sick of being in this bowl. I'm sick of swimming around here. This thing's small. I'm getting out of here, bro. I, I'm all closed in. There's too much, there's too much commitment in here, man. This little, there's too much commitment. I want to get out and then roam free. Now, if Nemo, the fish, if he could possibly muster up enough energy and strength to flip out of that bowl and onto the ground, he would actually have less freedom than he had in that bowl, right? Listen, look, because the fish was created to be in the water. You hear that? A, a fish is only as free in as much as he is in water. Now, if somehow he was able to, to, to flip out of the bowl if he was on a boat and, and went to the ocean, that'd be a lot more freedom, right? But if he flipped out on land, like, he was made to be in the water. And it's the same way with you and me. Like we were created similarly. Think about it like if, if you or I got outside the water we were created for, we would actually have less freedom than what we had or we were originally created to be in. And that's why if you're living outside of God's will in your life, that's why you feel burdened. That's why you feel weighed down. That's why you feel depressed, fatigued, confused. The people that are feeling that way that don't turn back to God usually start blaming it on God. 
But it's the reason that they're feeling that way is because they're missing something. They're bound to something they don't even know they're bound to. And listen, what are you created for? Think about it. What are you created for as each individual person in this room? Every person, what are you created for? The Bible tells us in Matthew 22, and it's so simple, but we make it complicated. The Bible says you are created to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and to love others as yourself. The reason why a lot of people in our church, in the church here and across the nation, the reason why people think churches are a bunch of posers is because people in the church don't love themselves enough to know how to love other people. Does that make sense? We have to understand that. Matthew 22 says this, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus goes on to say that this commandment was the greatest commandment, and that the whole law hung on those two commands. If you did those two things, you could fulfill the whole law is what it said. Because think about it, if I'm loving God, I'm not going to be seeking after myself. If I'm loving other people, I'm going to be spreading the gospel and building disciples. I'm going to be seeing God's kingdom come to earth. Because listen, you guys, me, us, and here together, we weren't created to do all the heavy lifting. Like, we weren't created, I'm not, I'm not created to go to that person and say, be healed. That's not me. I'm supposed to be obedient. And maybe God's saying, hey, pray for that person, right? But God does the heavy lifting in people's lives. He's the one that restores marriages. He's the one that restores hearts. He's the one that brings people from death to life. Is that right? Like, he's the one that does that. Like, God does that. We, we just trust and we obey and he's faithful. I have no power apart from him. And our obedience to God's commands in scripture, our obedience to God's commands here unlocks God's faithfulness in our lives, which always, always, always God's faithfulness and presence always opens doors of influence and opportunities in your life to bring him glory through your life. That, that's a fact. Read it in scripture. Try, test it out. Read this and do what it says and see what happens. And so we see in this freedom and surrender thing, there's this paradox that true freedom is only found in surrender. Right? Like, true freedom is only found in surrender to Jesus true freedom that you're looking for, the things that you're looking for. Because what I'm saying this morning, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian here this morning, and I'm not ignorant enough to believe that everybody here is saved. I know there's people here lost this morning. I know that. Listen, but if you're in Christ, if you're, a, if, you're a, if you're saved, if you've given your life to Christ and said, no longer my life, God, but your life. I want what you want. If that's you, you've been saved for a purpose. Not to sit back and relax. You've been saved to be sent. You've been redeemed. You've been bought back. Like you were gone, but Jesus bought you back with his blood. You've been redeemed to be an instrument of redemption for the gospel. You're an instrument now. You've been restored. You've been, your sin killed you. Like it says in Ephesians 2, your sin destroyed you. But you've been restored to help restore other people who have lost hope. People in here tonight, you can think of one person in your life right now that you know that is struggling with hope. I don't have any hope. I don't, I don't have hope. But guess what Jesus came to give? Hope. He came to give, he came to give us life, get freedom, all those things. And we're called to do that. And so the question this morning for you is, has the gospel really worked its way deep into your hearts? If the gospel is reaching into our hearts, then the, then the evidence of that is in the life focused outwardly for the gospel to see it reach the people around you. 
That's the evidence. And so, so many times, and, that, and this is why the world don't believe, and this is why the world doesn't believe what we believe. Because DC taught one time says the greatest single cause of atheism in, in the world today is Christians who, who come in here and acknowledge him with their lips, but walk out these doors and deny him by their lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Is what it says. And that's what it's about this morning. If, that, if you're saying that the gospel has reached the deep parts of your heart, but there's no evidence coming out of your hands, I don't necessarily believe you. And now you're just like, Michael, how can you do that? It's scripture. It's not me. It's not me. It's, it's the word. Okay, it's the word. In order to truly follow Jesus, the gospel says that our lives should be lived for a greater cause than ourselves. Like, listen, if I were to ask, if you were just me and you at coffee right now, I would say, hey, I got this thing. It's bigger than you. It's really cool. Do you want to be a part of it? You'd be like, yeah, it's awesome. We're all wanting to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, right? Well, I want to be something bigger than me because when I get to the end of me, there's not much left. But if I, can, if I have Jesus in my heart and, I'm, and I'm, I'm going after something bigger than myself, there's more. The gospel-saturated life is one that is lived for God's mission, God's glory. If I'm on mission for God, I'm after his glory. But the thing is, Michael can't give God glory when I'm secretly after my own. Does that make sense to us? If I'm secretly after my own glory, I can't give God glory. I'm in the way. My pride's in the way. And so what is the true motive of your heart this morning? If you're, going to, if you're going to live for the gospel or the mission of God, you can't live. It's impossible for you to live a self-centered life and be on God's mission at the same time. It doesn't mix. That doesn't mix at all. And that's why, the, that's why Jesus told the disciples to leave everything you have and follow me. That's why the rich young ruler could not leave because he was rich and he didn't want to leave his money to follow Jesus. But in reality, what Jesus had to offer was worth far more than all the money in the world that that man could have had. So this morning, we had to see that that's exactly where a lot of Christians are today. We're stuck in the middle of their sin, and we're still trying to be Jesus to people around us. That's what's happening. And Paul said, I've been, I've been crucified with Christ. He's saying, I no longer live. That means something inside of him had died, and something else had come alive that was far greater. And so what he's saying is that Christians in the early church, how are they identified? They were identified by being so different than the culture that they were living in. They were like weird. They, were, they called them Christians for the first time in Acts 11, verse 26, in Antioch. They were first called Christians in Antioch. The reason they were called Christians is because they were acting like who? Christ. Christian literally means little Christ. And so if, if you were in Antioch in that time, just you by yourself, if you were there with those people, well, they look at you and say, little Christ. You're, you're acting just like Jesus, man. And it was a derogatory term. They were making fun of them. But they were seeing that they were acting just like Jesus. And they were saying, man, those people are Jesus followers because I, he, they act just like Jesus did. But the cultural Christianity that we live in and that we've been tempted to follow has, been, has spent too much time quenching the Spirit instead of living by it. The Holy Spirit come and say, move, do this, do this. And we're like, nope, that makes me feel weird. I don't want to do that. You're right? I, I don't want to talk to that person because it's weird. I don't want to give. I don't do this. I don't want to do I don't want and so we, we, we're, we're serving self and not God, but that's exactly where I think we are. And what we're left with is a bunch of people coming to church and, and singing some songs and proclaiming Jesus and thinking what that means is I drink a little less than, than most people or I cuss a little less 
You know, I'm a little bit better than this person. That's not what Jesus had in mind when he came and died on the cross. That's not. If you're a Christian in here today, you've been called out as children of God to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to the world that needs you. And it's time for the church to rise up, Falcons fans, and be the church that we see in the scriptures and stop being satisfied with just coming here for our weekly check of the box. It's time to rise up and change. It's time to be the church instead of just coming to church, right? Are we, are we around this? It's time to start being the church instead of just saying, oh, I'm a Christian, I go to church. It's time to get real. And I think that's where Jesus is. I think that's where the Holy Spirit is moving in the big C church all across our land as he's drawing a line in the sand and says, are you, are you following me? Or are you following some religious ceremony? Because they don't mix. And what I want you to hear this morning is you can't separate your relationship with God and the mission of God. They don't separate. They're the same. If you were to say, I'm a Christian, that means, okay, well, you're on mission for God. What you, what's happening? Where, where, where are we at? Where, what are we doing? And you're like, what are you talking about? And that's because we haven't been trained by Scripture. That's why most of our Bibles are dusty. Because Satan wants to take this and throw it out so we won't be convicted or held accountable to what God's calling us to do. This is the instruction book, guys. They don't work together. They work together is the mission of God and salvation. They work together. And if you were saved for, the, for his glory to be revealed to the nations, which you were, if you're a Christian, that means you're, that your life should be lived to see him receive the glory that's given, right? If, if, I'm, if my life is lived for that to, to give glory, that means I, I need to be doing that. And our eyes need to be lifted above the horizons of our little lives to see the world that Jesus came to die for. It has to be to see, to see there's something greater to live for than, than the here and now and, and the next thing. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I lack Paul's all-consuming passion of by all means save some. Do you? I like that sometimes. I get aggravated at myself, and I can't honestly say that I always do all things for the sake of the gospel. I mean, I might be alone, but I don't, that's where I feel like I'm at sometimes. And, but sometimes I'm so isolated. I'm so isolated from lost people to be able to reach them. I isolate myself. I get in my little holy huddles. Come here, Christians, let's hang out. You know, that, that's, that's, my, that's my group. And I, I'm so isolated, I can't be the hands and feet of Jesus. Maybe you're, convicted, uh, maybe you're convicted in the same way, I don't know. Or maybe some of you are like I used to be where we're too much like worldly people to be able to win any of them. Because what I'm saying is like, I used to be in a place where I, I, would, try to, I would try to, you know, share the gospel while I was out drunk with my friends. But like, why would I do that? Like, you're the same as me, literally. It's just weird. I mean, you know, it doesn't make sense. There was no difference. The Bible says we're meant to be set apart, holy, different. The thing is, the problem with the church is we push people so far away from us and we've locked the doors and then we wonder why we're not reaching people to see the early, like we see the early church reaching people in Acts. We've pushed them away. We've got to be willing to, be, to become a part of, of communities around us, to, to become like the Jews, to reach the Jews, to become like the weak, to reach the weak, to go to the places that lost people are at, to the places that Jesus went, Right? I asked three people to volunteer for me today. Can y'all come up here for a second? I got three chairs for three people. I know y'all are wondering what them chairs are for, okay? Be glad that you weren't asked. It's going to be good. I bring the water balloons up too. I'm just kidding. Just joking. But listen, that's what it's about. 
We have to, we have to make sure we see that, that, that the, a church, a church is not a church when the passion for souls is gone. Right? Right? Like, like Paul said to the Jews, I became like the Jews. To the people with the law, I became like those with the law. To the weak, I became weak. I'm not saying you're weak, bro. You're strong. But like, listen, who are these people in your life? At your jobs, who are these people? This, this may be, the t- she's a teacher. This may be a, this may be a teacher. Or this may be somebody that, at your job that knows a lot about Scripture but doesn't believe in Jesus. This may be somebody who tries to always argue with you about your faith. This may be someone who tries to, who knows a lot more, who, who may be, you know, whatever. And so how do you reach this person? How do you become like her without shoving your faith down her throat? Because that does nothing. Right? You love her. You walk with her. You, you form a relationship with her because influence is formed in relationships. And influence, influence always equals input. As you get influence with people, it equals input. You're allowed to, to input into their life when you have influence with somebody. What about, what about Gary? This is Gary, everybody. I said, what about him? Well, maybe he works at Gulfstream. He's around a lot of smarter people than I am. Like, what, what, maybe, maybe there's, there's this really smart person that knows how to argue atheism. Maybe, maybe they believe in, in this, the, the, this sort of, you know, whatever. And then you don't. And you believe that Jesus is the only way. And you know it because you've seen it in Scripture and you felt it in your heart. How do you reach that person? How? The same way. You go, you make yourself a slave to that person, which means you're not saying, hey, Gary, can I come vacuum your house? He'd probably love it, but that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is I'm making myself a servant to him. I'm serving him. Yeah, I have the truth because I've seen it played out in my life. But listen, how do I make myself a slave to Gary? To see him reach for the gospel. That means I'm putting myself out there. That means I'm more concerned about his salvation than my own. Paul says in Romans, he talks about, I would rather my people be saved than I'm forever condemned. That's a heart right there. I want them to be saved way more than I care about me. I, I got to The reason that's the way it is is because Christ has put his heart in us. And if Christ has put his heart in us, I care about these people more than I care about myself. And what about Perry? What about where he's at? What, the people that, that, that may be weak, that may have gone through a divorce or, or the death of all their children, or, or they may be like, like a Job who've lost everything. And then a low point in life, how does, how does Perry reach those people? How does he reach them? He serves them. He goes after them. He calls them. He texts them. He takes them to lunch. He, he, he really pours into their life and shows care for that person. That's called loving people. The reason Paul says, I made myself a slave to all people is because I am loving people relentlessly. That's what it is. And it's about love. That's what Jesus came for. You guys can sit down. Thank y'all. Awesome. Y'all give him a hand. All right. And listen, a church, a church is not a church when the passion for lost people is gone. It's just a group of people hanging out. Okay, if you're saved from your sins, then you've been commissioned to go after lost people. Listen to this. this I love this part. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now, it says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you are a part of it. It says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you are a part of it. If you're claiming to be a Christian in here, that means you're the body of Christ. That means you have the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, all those things, the brain, all those things. You're the, you're the body of Christ. And if you're a part of the body, a follower of Jesus, and you're not functioning properly, 
or if you're refusing to function, the body can't perform properly. Like, think about this. If your foot decided to quit working, it'd be like, you're, 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 I, I'm, you're gonna think I'm weird because I'm hopping everywhere. You're gonna, you give me a weird nickname, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be bad. If, if, your eyes stop, if your eyes stop working, you can't see. If your ears stop working or decided, hey, I'm not working anymore, you can't hear your hand. You can't reach out to people. But we're too busy competing to be certain things in the body that we can't function the way we were created to function. There's hands, eyes, ears, brains, nose, feet, all over this building. And if we learn how to function properly, you'll see the church come alive and move the way it was created to move. According to Scripture, if you're saved and you aren't an active part of the church, you're outside of God's will. That's what Scripture says, not Michael. If you're, if you're not pursuing the lost for the sake of the gospel, if you're not making disciples of those who come to Christ, Scripture says you're outside of God's will and you're in a dangerous place. Revelation 3 calls that lukewarm Christianity, and that's a disease in our country. It's a disease in our culture. There's no room for lukewarm faith in the kingdom of God. We don't get to define this either. It's on him, not me. God defines these things. We're just called to be faithful. And here's the scariest thing I can think of is this. The next generation of people coming behind you, your children, are watching you on how you follow Jesus. Let that sink in for a second. What are they going to carry on to the next generation? Think about that for a second. How are we following Jesus for the people coming behind us? I hope everybody that comes from behind us finds us faithful to him. As Christians, we have to start, we have to start focusing more on being faithful and stop worrying so much about being successful. Because what I know is even in the church, we care more about our children's worldly success, making sure they're set up for, 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 for the rest of their lives with money and security. We care more about that than we care about their eternal security. Have I made a disciple out of my son in a way that he's gonna make a disciple out of his friends and share Christ with people? Okay, listen, what, but I, I know what I say, but what do my actions say? But Paul was saying he was willing to do anything for the gospel, anything except sin. It's the only thing he was unwilling to do. He says, though I'm free and belong to no one, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible. There can't be any entitlement in this. There's no room for entitlement in the church. None, none. This has to be our declaration. Think, listen to this. This has to be what we declare to Jesus, to the world. I'll do whatever it takes. I will leverage every cent, every minute, every relationship to see Jesus made famous in my life and in the lives of the people around me. Are y'all ready for that? Because we're, we're quick to say, I want to follow Jesus. Why? Because I don't want to go to hell. That's, that's easy. But what about when it comes to leveraging my life to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Because that's what I want to see. Are you becoming all things to all people by all means some might be saved? And if not, why? The next three verses, verses 24 through 27, is, is really easy. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Duh. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize. This is talking about following Christ requiring spiritual discipline. 
Paul's using a, an image that the Corinthian church would have been very familiar with. The Olympic, the Olympic Games got their start in Greece. Corinth was really close to Greece. They even had their own form of Olympic Games in Corinth. Competition was huge. I know y'all are, there's a lot of competitive people in here, but there was a lot of competition in this area. It was, it was mainly wrestling and, and running. <clears throat> and so Paul, he uses an image to connect to his audience. He used something from their everyday life to say, oh, I get that. He used an image. He, he, got, he, he connected with them. Paul's saying the Christian life is like running a race. And in a race, there's either winners or there's losers. So, so we need to run like winners. We need to win the race. And so, you know, verses 24 and 25 talks about being a winner. So you ask, like, is Christianity really a competition, Michael? You know, are we really competing? We all get a participation trophy at the end, you know? Like, are we really competing for something? Are we doing, are we, are there really winners and losers? And the answer is absolutely. We just need to define who our opponent is in the race. That's the problem. Define the opponent. It's not non-Christians and it's not Christians. Non-Christians are the prize that we're racing for. They're the prize that we hope to attain that he talks about. The race is not against other Christians. The race is against our enemy, Satan, against our flesh, against our sin, against time. That's, that's where our race is against. Verse 26 talks about fight with a goal and run with a name. Fight with a goal and run with a name. How many people in here today would say that describes your relationship with God? I have a goal and I have a name. I have a direction. Or is it just, I'm just lazy. You know, I'm just whatever. Like no professional athlete that has ever become a professional athlete has done that without a vision, a goal, or a name. You can find any person in the, in the professional realm of sports, you can never go to them and say, did you just happen to walk on and just get famous? No. They went to strict training. They, while other people were doing this, they were, they, were, they were worried about their craft. They were worried about those things. But when you look at Christians today, I see a lot of Christians who sound more like this. Like, if I have time, I'll go to church. Or if I have time, I'll go to small group. Or if I, if I, if I see, God, if you put somebody in front of my face, I'll, I'll minister to them today. God, if you... If you open up the sky and make, it, make the rainbow say my name, I'll go do what you say, Lord. Give me a sign, Lord. You know, do this and this, and then I'll, then I'll do this. If I get paid this week, I'll give. I might go on a mission trip as long as there's beds and it's kind of comfortable. Um, I'll go if, if it's safe. We just give our lives and we add Jesus to it when it's necessary. It's literally like go and corral Jesus. It's literally what it's like. I take some, and I, I take some of this because I like this. I take some of this, but I leave this because I don't like rutabagas, but I like this over here. And I, listen, that's what it's like. We, we have a buffet-style Jesus where I pick what I like and I leave what I don't like. That's not what Jesus is about. It's all or nothing. Following Jesus is all or nothing. There's no gray areas. And the thing is, if, you were at, if I were to ask you by a show of hands, I'm not going to do it, so don't raise your hand, for people in here who knew without a shadow of a doubt what God's calling them to do in their life, how many would know what God has called them to do with their life without a doubt? I'm going to guess that it's, that it's not as many as it should be. And the reason why we don't know is because we haven't followed this long enough. If you don't know what God's calling you to do, start with this. Start with this. Start with this. No scripture. No scripture. Verse 27, be disciplined and, so that you won't be disqualified. 
Be disciplined so that you won't be disqualified. Listen, Roman, Hebrews 12, 1 talks about, like, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders us. Let's throw off the things that are hinders, let's throw it off because it's hindering us. It's holding us down. The sin that entangles us, let's throw it off. And it's time for Christians to stop asking questions like, is this a sin? Is this too far? I, I'm not going to sleep with my girlfriend, but we can do other things. Or I'm not going to drink this much, but I can drink this much. I'm, I said, we need to stop asking that question. We need to start asking questions. Does this help me run? Does this help me on my walk with Jesus? And if it doesn't, get it out. Does it help me win? Or is it slowing me down? I'm going to tell you what, listen, I can't stand the treadmill. I can't stand a treadmill. You know, listen, you'll never come to the gym and catch Michael Page on a treadmill. You might not even catch me in the gym. Listen, you'll never catch me on a treadmill because I don't like running for a long time, for two miles, three miles, whatever. But, but if I do run, it's going to be outside on a sidewalk or on a trail somewhere because I can see where I'm going. I can see I've made progress, right? You know, but, but it's not going to be on a treadmill because when I see that I've run two miles in the same place, I think how far I could have gotten if I hadn't been stuck in this cycle. Cycles keep us expending energy, but never moving. You know what I'm saying? And my, my heart this morning is going to ask you, how long have you been right where you're at in the cycle that you're in? How long? A year? 10 years? 20? God woke me up about four years ago and showed me a cycle that I was in of sin, filthy sin for 20 years. It woke me up the hard way. Life came crashing down. I almost lost my marriage. Crashing down. A cycle of sin. Where is it at? Where are you at? Some of us have been in a cycle for so long and it keeps us bound. It keeps us tied down, bitter, angry at the church, angry at people, angry at our wives or husbands. And we never meant to be tied down because Jesus is called, he's calling us to what? The big F word, freedom, freedom, freedom. You were created to be, you were created, guys, on purpose. You weren't a mistake. You were created on purpose and with a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. Now get off the treadmill and get in the game that God is calling you to get into. Maybe you've been living in a pattern of passivity like I've been in my life, waiting for someone else to do what God's called you to do. You know, maybe that's you this morning. Life is not a game with no lasting consequences. The way we live our lives has eternal consequences. Life, life, guys, is the proving ground. It's, the, it's where your life is proven, where, where, where you, we prove who we are, who we trust, and what our heart most, cherish, most cherishes. And I don't care what you say. Show me with your life. Show me with how you live your life. Eternal life hangs on what our lives say about who we are, who we trust, and what we love. This is saying, what this scripture is saying is strive, labor, run, fight, not to earn salvation. It's saying strive, labor, run, fight, because you're saved and you're free and you're in Christ if you're in Christ. If you're not, you still have some work to do. And just like the athlete says, what will bring about my maximum performance in this game? You need to be saying as a mature Christian, what will make me most useful for the kingdom? Is this gonna make me most useful for the kingdom? And so what I know is that Jesus said in John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and life. 
No man comes to the Father except through me. So without Jesus, we're lost. This morning, if we come face to face with Christ, there's two decisions. There's only two. I've done so much studying, there's only two. You either follow him or you reject him. That's it. There's no, there's no like, if you say, I'll do it later, that's a rejection. It is, I'm sorry. It's a re and so there's, there's, there's no in between. The cross, it gets offensive, guys, because it confronts us in our sin. It points out, says, Michael, I died for that. Stop holding on to it. And you're like, what, God? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, like you're, you're, you, you, you try to hide. But God is saying, come out because I love you, man. I love you. Jesus endured the cross for me, for us, so that we could live. All we have to do is, is repent of our sin, means turn away, have faith in Jesus, and be obedient to him, follow him where he goes. Because remember, true freedom is found in surrender. That's where it's found. And we can't escape this decision. We can't run far away enough. When faced with Jesus, we have to choose, whether it's now or in eternity. And I've heard it said before, you'll either been in, Jesus, you'll been in need of Jesus now or later. And so my heart for you guys today is that you would see Jesus for who he is and your heart would be made soft. Because I know not making a decision for Jesus is, 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 is crazy scary. Ezekiel 36, this is my heart. He says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So this morning, if you're in here and you've never received Christ, you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never taken that step, you might have, you might have said, I'm almost there. I just got a little, I, Jesus has got to prove himself a little bit more. I'm going to tell you what, he ain't going to prove himself no more than dying on the cross and raised from the dead. Pretty, pretty, pretty elaborate proof. That's you this morning. A lot of times, guys especially, they have a lot of pride. I don't know about raising my hand in front of people. You know what I mean? I don't know about standing up. I don't know about going to pray at the altar. I don't know about that. Guys, pride's out the door. We died to ourselves. We're living for Christ. Listen, this morning, if you don't know Jesus and, you, and you've, you've been playing games for too long and you know the day is the time, the day is the day, you know in your heart, it's time to change my life. It's time to get my life right. It's time to give my life to Jesus. If that's you this morning, I just want to ask you to raise your hand so we can pray with you. Is there anybody here this morning? We would love to pray with you. Three more seconds. All right. For the rest of you, Acts 3 says, Repent and turn back to God that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come. If you're a believer in here and you've just been all over the place, repentance is a real thing. It means turning back to God and agreeing with Him. So this morning, remember, our lives need to be leveraged for the gospel and seeing His kingdom come on earth, which means we're loving people relentlessly. And that hasn't, if that hasn't been evident in your life, it means we need to repent. It means we need to come back to Jesus. That means we need to get back on a path that's following him and seeing ourselves leveraged for the glory of God to all the nations. So this morning, if that's you, I just want to, I just want to offer the altar to you this morning. If you want to pray here or anywhere, just do that. Um, but I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go. Um, if, you want, if you guys want to chat, talk, I'll be here all day long if you want to. So I'm here to, I'm here to serve you. So let me pray for you. God, we love you. I thank you for who you are and what you've done. God, I thank you for making the first move on the cross. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, for our sins, God, for to, to give us new life in Christ. I pray, God, that for the heart in here this morning that, that may be far from you, God, that may be playing games, I pray that you would continue to soften it, God, that you would just not let us sleep until we've gotten right with you, Father. God, I just love you. I thank you for just, uh, for just loving us.
I pray that you would just uh, move in our midst, God, each week we meet. God, continue to grow our church. Continue to grow our hearts wide and deep, Lord. And we just love you. In your name I pray. Amen. You guys have a great week.